You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. From Matthew 9:35 to 36. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Well, I am delighted, delighted to welcome you on Resurrection Sunday. We just thank you so much for spending your Easter morning with us. As you can tell, we've saved the best wine till last because you're here, because of what you bring to this occasion today. I've got a message today that I think will shake you to the bone if you're listening, if you're ready, if your heads are up. Are you ready? Okay, picture a Middle Eastern man. Picture a Middle Eastern man, dark skin, jet black hair, very intense eyes. No, that's not who you think it is. It's not Jesus. It's not Corbett. Corbett's only half Arabic. This is not some character from Dune or Star Wars, but this is a guy from Anathoth, 700 years before Jesus, Jeremiah of Anathoth, who, who stands on a hill overlooking a valley and receives this message from God. Stand at the crossroads and look. Look for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, as someone who enjoys hiking and being outside, I can just picture myself there. You've been there before. A scenic view. Uh, My family, we were on a hike uh, near Tramway, overlooking the valley just last night. And I can picture myself looking and seeing. You You can find Paseo. You can find the paved roads. You can find even where the river is, that lowest point of least resistance, where the water is flowing. And if you look with good eyes, you can see where the animals travel, where they make their way across the mountain, or even where trees have been cut to stretch power lines up or down the mountain line, mountains. I mean, you can just see these lines, and you can picture the wisdom that's there of being able to assess the way that is out in front of you. And to think about or walk. This series that begins today and concludes next week is about walking. That's our metaphor. That's what we're choosing to look at. Of how we conduct our lives, how we behave, the manner in which we have ordered our steps. And that's what I want us to look at closely. Because I'm someone that's quite curious about how anybody and everybody orders their life. I mean, some people order and construct their lives around God, others do not. But I'm curious about how everyone makes sense of their life. It's fascinating to me of how you make a decision between one path or another path. And so I like to ask lots of questions and to see where people are at. Because one way or another, we all have a God. We all have a spirituality. This internal system that we have of ordering our steps, of choosing which way we'll go. And and maybe that's intentional, or maybe it's a little bit erratic. 
Maybe it is something that's based upon logic, or other times maybe it's just based on feelings. But we're all organizing our life in this way. And I've noticed that historically God has factored into that, where people look to God and want to know what insight, what ancient wisdom God can provide. But I sense that that's changing, that God is definitely not the go-to source for people. As we look for information, as we look for trusted guides, God doesn't usually always make the list at all. In fact, uh, I picture what is supposed to be our human progress, and here's an image for you to look at. You'll probably know these silhouettes of where we're supposed to have come from, right? Slowly becoming more upright. Well, what about this one about where we're going? Where we're bent over looking at phones and hunched over. I just think that if we're looking for information today, it's in our phone, it's in our hands, it's on the screen. I mean, whenever you want to know something, do you Google it? Do you ask Alexa or Siri? More often than not, that's our go-to place. In fact, I looked back 2021, what the most Googled how-to, because I was curious, you know, does God show up? Is God there? Well, for 2021, people wanted to know, how do I qualify for the stimulus check? It's number one. How can I be more attractive? That's a pretty good one, too. How can I uh, be happy alone? Hmm. A little more insightful. How can I be a baddie? Now, you'll have to ask around for that one. Not going to define that one for you. Finally, to this last one, how can I be a better boyfriend? Again, no judgment here. The girlfriend didn't show up before that, but how can I be a better boyfriend? When it comes to searching for meaning in life, searching for answers, I think in some ways Google and these online sources have replaced God. I mean, even me, if I'm trying to figure out how to repair my house, where do I go? Well, I go to YouTube so that I can see it, so that I can have it acted out for me. Whether it's something from history or a repair, you might have questions about dating or how to put on makeup, and you can go to these online sources. And here in this place today, I'm prepared to tell you that I think that we are bent over with our heads down looking in places other than God. So as we look at walking our life, You might say, well, Brady, look, I don't need any of your help for walking. I've been doing it just fine for my entire life. I don't need any help. I know how to order my life, and it's okay. That's fine. I, I know that I can't tell you how to live your life, and I'm not here to give you advice. What I want to do today is lay out for you two options, two, two paths for you to consider so that you can think about your own life and how you order it and make sense of it, and compare to these two paths and see how it fits. In this life, as we look into our phones, we're creating a world that originates with me and is centered in on me. But where I want to start today with the first option is one that, since we're in church and it's Easter, is probably fairly obvious. The path of companionship with Jesus. That's the first option I want to look at. The passage that that Joel read to us today gives us just a couple of verses that aren't even really a story, but they summarize what Jesus does. 
that Jesus came and he walked around. Now, different translations put it differently, but it's literally walked around among people. Jesus was the kind of king who wasn't up on a palace wall somewhere, but down among the people. Jesus wasn't behind bulletproof glass or surrounded by security guards. Jesus was with people. And he had a message of good news, a message of the arrival of the kingdom of God, that that access to God was now available to everyone. It wasn't mediated through a holy person. There wasn't some secret words that had to be said. It, It wasn't about a place, but God's availability to everyone. And then Jesus does the whole curing thing, curing every disease, every sickness. You want to draw a crowd? Who doesn't want to have what's wrong with them healed and cured? And Jesus was this one who spoke and taught and was present with people. Well, you can see why Jesus appealed to folks, why he didn't come off as a threat. He was someone that people wanted to be around. And it's only appropriate that on Easter Sunday we think about him. Think about this one that goes out showing compassion. How about that for a leader? A leader who sees the people and is compassionate because there are a lot of bad leaders out there. And so he led them. Here at First Christian, our mission is really straightforward. It's just two words, follow Jesus. That's what we're about. We are to a person those that are attached to First Christian have made a commitment that they're going to follow Jesus. We've committed ourselves to friendship with Jesus, companionship with Jesus every day. That's what we want to be about. And we invite you to take that on as well, to be with Jesus, to do what Jesus did, to say the things Jesus said and go into the places where Jesus leads. Well, That's probably not surprising, right? That first alternative, big shocker, Easter Sunday, we're going to say pointing people to Jesus. No surprise there. The second option is another alternative for how you live your life. Another way. And it's not an alternative in the sense of, well, have you thought about Buddhism or Islam or a philosophy or even capitalism? Now, this alternative is you. You arranging your life as you see fit. You being the one that plans how you take your steps. And that alternative is brought to us by Paul, a Jewish rabbi who wrote to a bunch of his Gentile, his non-Jew friends. If you want to, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 2. In verse 2, Paul makes this statement. We walked our lives according to the course of this world. Paul pictures for us this alternative option of living your life just following the course of this world. If you think about it, it's kind of how all of us are living our life. We're, we're going along with the current. We're in the boat. may not really know where the boat is going, but we're paddling very hard, very diligently, We're just going with the flow of the world. Traveling along, not really having a map. In fact, that is our map, that we're able to go to those places that we want to go. We can love who we want. We can choose this job. Spend our money exactly the way that we want to spend our money. 
Maybe we spend our days trying to outdo one another, really focused in on ourselves as a priority. So Paul lays this option out to us, and I want you to hear how much he expands it. So if you would, look in verse 1 of chapter 2 as I read to you this little segment of a letter. Paul writes, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This alternative story that Paul lays out is one that's following the course of the world, following the desires that we have, following our passions and our flesh wherever it might leave us. Let me tell you a little bit of something about desire. Desire is not necessarily bad in and of itself. A desire is a desire. We don't know why we like candy, we just do. We want a chocolate bunny, it's Easter. There's no way to explain it, and so it is just a desire. And if we look at our lives, our lives are kind of a collection of things that we've done. We all have a past. We've made mistakes. I don't know about your life, but sometimes my life feels like it's this cluttered pile of what I wish I had done. Do you have that cluttered pile? Maybe you're more organized and you have the cluttered pile of all those things that you wish you had done and what other pile? I wish I had never done those things. If we're honest and think about our lives, that, that can be true of all of us. There are things that we've done that don't live up to the ideal even of our own life. So we hear a word like sin or trespass and we think instantly of a list of moral failures, the biggies when sin literally means missing the mark. You don't reach the ideal. Or trespass means you're getting off into another area, an area that's not yours, an area that might even harm you and cause you problems. What I can tell you about desire is that desire, while they're normal, while they're natural, while it's normal to chase the meaning in your life, whether that's meaning in money or art or a lover or whomever, that's normal in time. Those things leave us. They get dense in them. They feel empty. And in some cases, we never even actually get them, and we're just going through the motions. They're like what I like to say, we're zombies. The mind is gone. Our bodies are still acting, but we are living, we are walking as dead people. We're servant to forces that are opposed to God. There are lots of powers in the world, and we're finding ourselves servant to those forces that are counter to God and that are harmful for us. And in time, they are all empty. Again, what I can tell you about desire 
is that it is a very bad master. If we give ourselves over to desire, if we give our executive center, our supercomputer of our human being body over to desire, it will destroy us. Whether that's a desire for pleasure or food, whatever it is, ultimately it will pull us apart and destroy us. And so Paul gives us another master. In verse 4 and 5, he tells us about God, a God who is rich in mercy, verse 4, who is acting out of great love with which he loved us. This is the God that Paul puts forward to be a master, a God who wants to make us alive in Christ, to breathe life into us. Now, a lot of us are not excited about God always because what we hear about God is this judgmental God, a God who wants to harm us or dictate our lives. We miss this God, a God who acts in grace when we really didn't deserve any, a God who acts in mercy when that's really the last thing that should be given to us, a God who acts in love when we feel and are treated as if we are the most unlovable person in the world. That's how God acts towards us. And this God is powerful in verse 5. He shows us who he is. But still we kind of step back and we say, I don't know. I don't know about this God thing. I wish God acted in the world a bit differently than he does. So much suffering, so much pain, so much injustice. And what about this God that always just needs worship? Why does God, if He's all-powerful, need us to worship Him? That seems so strange. Folks, God doesn't need us to worship Him. God doesn't. That's not the reason that we were created. God is independent and of Himself. He doesn't need our worship. God created us in order to love us. That's what He says. That God made us alive in Christ. He has given us this life to show us love and mercy and grace. Recently, I was looking at one of C.S. Lewis's books, The Problem of Pain. And I've got a quote here that says just that. In this book that deals with how we can have suffering, how we can have pain, and yet still love God, he deals with some of those difficulties. And this is what Lewis says. We were made not primarily that we may love God, though we're made for that too, he says, but we were made that God may love us, that we may become the objects in which the divine love is well pleased. Do you hear that? Can you receive that? Can you feel that at a bone marrow level? That God made you in order to show you love. God's not a glory seeker. He has made us alive in Christ. Okay, so what does this look like? We've laid out these two paths. What does it look like in our own life? I, I, I want you to be able to walk out of here with some steps, with some things that you can do and test out and try out in your own life now of what it might be to be alive with Christ in your own life. Are you ready? So the first step is for us to acknowledge and recognize that we've made mistakes in our life. 
that we haven't measured up even to our own ideals, let alone anybody else's ideals. That we've all got a past, we've all hit dead ends, and those dead ends have been in the form of, of marriages, or jobs, or family squabbles, or difficulties with our own personality. We've all had things come apart. We've crossed the line, we've trespassed, we've missed the mark, we've sinned, we haven't lived up to our own ideals. We've found ourselves in these cul-de-sacs of frustration where we're just circling around and around again of the mistakes and the frustrations that we have in our life. So that, that's the first part of this, to recognize and to own that we've made mistakes, that we've got some failures. All right, the second one. The second one is to reach out beyond ourselves. Reach out beyond to God who wants to live life with us. The God who's made us alive in Christ. Reach out to this God. Because you don't ever have to walk alone. You don't have to ever walk and not know that someone loves you deeply. You can walk through your life knowing that God loves you. You have to let go of a lot of false gods. Gods from your past, of judgmental God, a God that only has your worst in mind. Let go of those false understandings of God, even that are given to you from good religious people. And hear what Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 2, that this is a God who is rich in mercy, full of grace, and showing love to this creation that he has made. All right, so that's the second step. Reaching out beyond ourselves to someone else. We can't do it on our own. And the third step kind of has a lot of parts. And it's kind of obvious because I've already stated it in one way or another. But this is about following Jesus in this third step. Try it. Live your life with Jesus. On this day in particular, we can't step away from the historical fact that Jesus lived. Jesus was on this earth. Jesus was confronted and executed and died. We just can't, there's no way to deny that that happened. We even have a hard time disproving the fact that people experienced him as the risen Lord. All right? But whatever you think about that, this notion of Jesus, where we're able to say today, as believers, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, this is our focus. Here at First Christian, as I mentioned, our mission is it's not meant to be a cheesy business-like mission. We're somewhere trying to annoy you or separate you from your money. At First Christian, we're not trying to build some kind of a, a Christian nation. We're not trying to uh, raise tons of money. We're not trying to solve all of the world's problems. Although we are trying to be Christian. And we are trying to do as much good as we can. And we are doing that through resources like our money. We are people that are following Jesus. We're guided by another source. Our life is looking to the life of Christ for our guidance. And we're using the freedom that God has given us to live and walk with Jesus. And so I'm inviting you into that mission. In fact, we give you that mission to take out the door and have on your own. We don't own it. We're giving it to you. There will be a group of people that are so committed to following Jesus that we'll do the four things that we talk about so frequently of being with Jesus. 
when you go into the grocery store, when you spend time in the classroom or in your cubicle, you are not alone. You are a companion of Jesus. You are going into those places with Jesus. Whenever you think about what your life can look like, I want you to think about not just being with Jesus, but doing the things that Jesus did. Now, that might seem intimidating because we didn't look at a whole lot that Jesus did. But what Jesus does is to show great compassion. And so I invite you, even if you want to experiment, to just do the most loving and generous thing in whatever situation you find yourself. What's going to multiply the most love by what you do? Well, what about saying? Being, doing, saying. How can we learn more about what Jesus said? Well, perhaps you're interested. Since we only did a couple of verses of Jesus, you might want to pick up a gospel like Mark. Mark's gospel is the shortest. It's quick. It's to the point. You see things Jesus did and you hear things that he said. Mark would be a good way. Or maybe Luke. If you like two parts, Luke is beautifully well written. You can see the story of Jesus and then pick up with Luke's second part of Acts of the Holy Spirit to see how things progressed after Jesus. These are ways that you could begin to experiment with the things that Jesus said. That final one of going with Jesus, a lot of you have already risked. You've already done. You've come to a church. That's a risk. Whether these friendly, smiling faces are familiar to you or brand new to you, you've taken a risk. And you can take that risk out into the world. Now, in this path of walking with Jesus, we've talked a lot about what it is to be with Jesus. Next week, we're going to close out by looking at where all of this is headed. If we're walking with Jesus, what's the aim of that? What's the direction? So I want to give you a little teaser. As I think about walking, I, I've, I think about a lot of these words being the same, like trail or path. They seem like synonyms for the same thing. Have you ever thought about the difference between a trail and a path? I mean, I kind of scratched my head and leaned back and thought, well, you know, a, a trail I tend to think of as more woodsy, more outdoorsy. It's a little bit narrower, and you're finding your way through the wilderness. Whereas a path, path kind of seems more dignified, a little more well-constructed, maybe wider, maybe it's paved. And those are both true, right? They could be true. But I want you to think of the difference between path and trail in terms of direction. Path lays out ahead of you. It extends forward. It's where you are going. A trail, literally, is what's left behind. Markings on branches, disturbed earth, droppings, footprints. A trail of where someone has been. Do you see the difference? Well, maybe this will picture it. Picture a charging rhino. Have you got that image in your mind? A charging rhino. Do you want to be in the path of the charging rhino? Or do you want to be in the trail of the charging rhino? You see the difference now? We want to look at where this life takes us. What's the point? Where is it directing us? And for now, for this week, today, what I leave you with is walking with Jesus. Of finding life, being enlivened by being with and beside Jesus. 
Because this God that makes you alive is one that has created you. This is one that, a God that loves you very dearly and a God who wants to live in you. This God has poured out love and mercy and grace. So, this week, whenever you get a chance to be in a kind of a high point of your life, look around at all the paths that are out there. Really assess them. Think about them. Ask around about what the good way is. Look for the ancient paths. And when you find it, when you find the good path, walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Let's pray. God, we welcome you into our lives, and we invite you to open up our eyes as we look on the horizon of our lives and look around at what you are doing in our lives, even if we're not aware of it. But when we look, we will see paths. We will see trails. And so this week, God, I invite you to help each one of us to compare our life to walking with Jesus, to compare our life to other paths, alternative paths, to the ways that we've chosen for ourselves. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Wisdom that comes from above. We thank you for the life that we can experience through Jesus, empowered by your Spirit. And we pray through him. Amen.